All right, Monday, May 11th, 2020. Uh, in a few moments, the next voice that you're going to hear is uh, Richard Mullen, uh, missions pastor of Cornerstone Church, one of my oldest friends in all of the world. And when he sent me this at the end of last week, I planned on saving it until later on in the week. But, you know, as I got up this morning and at the start of a new week, just starting to think of all the things that are on my plate and all the things that I have to do and all the resources that I don't think that I have to complete all of what I had to do. Um, I just felt my heart start to go to a place where I just really needed to be reminded um, of a truth that God's got us covered. And Richard does an excellent job here in these next 10 minutes of just giving us something to hold on to, not just to start our day, but to start our week. So y'all listen, uh, be blessed and enjoy. If you're anything like us, you may have been caught off guard by the end of the month grocery bill following the first 30 days of this quarantine. I have a family of seven, five of those being kids. And um, it was in that moment that my wife and I, as we went back and kind of looked at how much food we were bringing into the house, we noticed that our grocery bill had more than doubled. You see, there's something about children's minds that would convince them to believe that just because they're at home 24 hours a day, seven days a week, that for some reason, my refrigerator and my pantry are accessible to them 24 hours a day. And so I found myself now having to play defense and, 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 and be inspector gadget when it came to making sure that my kids know that what I've committed to is giving them three meals a day and one snack. After that, we're done. Don't tell me you're hungry again. You just ate an hour ago. And so this forced us to have to start to implement new rules and place new boundaries on our home because we would get to about day 10 and our children would say, they would say, I'm hungry, daddy, I'm hungry. And they would go into the fridge and they would go into the pantry and they would say, there's nothing to eat. And so what that really meant was, daddy, I have a need. I'm hungry. And when I go and look at the resources available to me in the pantry and fridge, I can't see anything that will truly meet that need. Can you help me? Well, we had decided that we weren't going to buy any more groceries until we hit that second half of the month. And so what that forced me to do was to go back and look in our pantry, to look in our refrigerator and see how could I take what we already had and stretch it. Some of you may be familiar with struggle meals. Well, um, for us, sometimes those struggle meals were uh, hamburger casserole. And what I'm not talking about is penne pasta or macaroni and put a little spaghetti sauce and add a little hamburger and have spaghetti casserole. That's not the type of, of, of meal that I'm referring to. When I say hamburger casserole, I'm talking about uh, canned baked beans, add a little onions, a little garlic, a little bell peppers, maybe cook up a little bacon, ground the uh, ground or brown the ground beef, put it all together, put it in the oven, bake it, and there you go, hamburger casserole. You see, there always was a point where when we went back and looked at what we had, we always had more than we initially thought. And what I found, what I have found during this quarantine is that in a lot of ways, we as believers have a greater supply of resources to, available to us 
in moments of difficulty than we actually know. That there is grace for us in unlikely circumstances and in unusual times. I was reminded of 2 Corinthians chapter 8 where Paul is talking to this church who for the most part had never experienced any type of real hardship. They had an abundance of resources and Paul is calling them and other churches at this time to consider what it would mean for them to give from their abundance to those who are in lack. He begins in verse one with, we want you to know brothers and sisters about the grace of God that was given to the churches of Macedonia. During a severe trial brought about by affliction, their abundant joy in their extreme poverty overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. I'm gonna stop there. That what Paul is trying to bring to the minds of these Christians is that God's grace frees us to live with a concern for others and not solely a concern for ourselves. We don't, all, we don't ever have to be completely preoccupied with what we're going to eat, what we're going to wear, where we're going to live, or even if it's possible for us to extend ourselves beyond our own means to sacrificially give to what God is doing across the world or in the lives of other people who are less fortunate. We don't have to fear that if we sacrifice ourselves for anything, that God is going to leave us hanging, that he's going to abandon us. You see, what I've really learned is that self-preservation, the desire to make sure that me, myself, and I are taken care of, is really just another form of unbelief. It's an unbelief rooted in the reality that God isn't who he says he is, and he won't do what he says he will do. And in these verse, what I'm finding about God's grace is that it's so much deeper and richer than we could ever imagine. That God's grace in the lives of these believers who were experiencing severe affliction, who were, that affliction was described as being in extreme poverty, that there was this overflowing of both wealth or of both joy and in generosity. See, We've got to start thinking of God's grace, not only in terms of his ability to alleviate our troubled circumstances, but we have to also think of God's grace as being seen in his ability to bear fruit in us while in the midst of those same troubling circumstances. God holds within his hand, within his authority, within his sovereignty, the conditions that we find ourselves in, but he also holds within his hand the emotional spiritual, and very motivations of the hearts of his people. That the very thing that could have easily extinguished our faith is the very thing that God will use to show the evidence of it. This is what makes us as the church so different, so distinct. For us, suffering can't rob us of anything that is of real value. Yes, it may strip us of our comforts and conveniences, Yes, it may alter our lifestyles and even cost us some else. Yes, it may even take our life, but suffering is not our God. It doesn't rule us. It can't extinguish what God intends to do in us and through us. God is our God. And he shows off his might and his strength through the way that his people respond in times of difficulty. 
the best word picture illustration that I could think of was that of a pencil. It simply is just this piece of wood that has been shaped with a purpose. That within that piece of, or within that pencil, there's lead that has been put inside of it. But the only way that you can access what is needed in order to experience the full use of the object is if you put that pencil in a sharpener. And as that pencil rotates and it turns and things are being removed from the exterior parts of it, it's there that you'll find the lead that was put in there for that very moment when you needed it the most. Paul would go on to explain to this church in verses eight and nine, I am not saying this as a command. He's not trying to flex his apostle muscles and lead them to give from a place of compulsion, but rather he's inviting them to be like their Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, to live as those who have experienced and tasted of the very grace that Christ has provided us. And so he goes on to say, for you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Though he was rich, for your sake he became poor, so that by his poverty you might become rich. As we look to Jesus in moments like this, what we see is a Lord who is willing to put off all of his wealth for our sake. To see a God who is willing to inconvenience himself, his health, his happiness, his safety, his means, his title, his security, all of those things he put off for the well-being of others, for our sake, for our condition for our circumstance, for our destiny, all of those things were more important to him than his own well-being. He exchanged what he had in his possession and he freely gave it all away. And he gave more to us than we could ever give back to him. And so my only encouragement, my only takeaway for us is would we prayerfully consider the ways in which we can be generous to the people of God, the household of faith, but also be generous to those around us who are far less well-off than us. Let this be something that we look back on and we see the evidences of God's grace in extreme circumstances, that we as a people in the midst of hardship, in the midst of COVID-19, were known to be a people who were generous, who overflowed with joy, and who thought of everything that we've been given and everything that we have as not things that belong to us, but rather things that God has given to us to be used for his glory.